Thanks for coming. If you're a guest, we want to say welcome. Thanks for being here with us. September 11th is a day. I better move. That's going to, there you go. Thanks. I'm just used to going to that spot. September 11th is a day that uh, has changed in our lives, hasn't it? It's a day that we reflect on, on things that have changed our world and most importantly changed our country. And uh, it's caused me every year to reflect on God's goodness and his mercy and his blessing for us to live in the country we live in, to have the freedom to gather like this. Amen? And I so much want to, as I was preparing this morning for this introduction, want desire September 11th to take a little bit of shift for me. And so as a family, we did that. We, we took a step uh, to get involved in what you're going to hear about this morning and with the partnership with World Vision through Chosen, because uh, there are people all over the world that are less fortunate, children in need. And today you're going to hear about that. And you're going to hear that from two different people. You're going to hear that from our senior pastor, and you're going to hear it from Peter Matsu. You're going to hear it from our good friend Peter, who's going to come up and share. I am so sorry, Peter. It's so simple. It doesn't come out. Peter has a great message and a great story. He is a single dad. He's a foster parent. He has adopted a son. And he has a story of life change that he wants to share, and we've asked, invited him to share uh, today. And you're going to want to pay close attention because the Lord has something for you today through Peter's message. The Holy Spirit has something for you today as he moves in you and speaks through you as we consider the blessings of being in this country. And the emotions attached with this day for me are very different now because of the opportunity that we have to partner with World Vision today. So I'm going to pray for Peter as he comes. Let's ask the Lord's favor on this message today between Peter and Pastor Jesse. Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing. We're privileged. We're beyond words when we think of this day. But yet, God, there's more to September 11th than what we've experienced. The tragedy that we've had in the past that we reflect on each year, God, we can also reflect on an opportunity today. We're blessed in so many ways, and we can respond to that blessing in a very unique way today. So I pray through the message and through the opportunity, God, your, your kingdom would grow. Our hearts would be moved, and we would be obedient. We would respond. We would respond well to you today. Bless every word that Peter shares. Pastor Jesse shares, and we thank you for the opportunity to be here today. We give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, yes, absolutely. My name is really difficult to say, uh, so I don't, I don't blame you. You should listen to my kids call me. Uh, well, it's truly a joy to be here. My name is Peter Mtabazi, and I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it's truly a joy to be with you. You know, I love you, Pastor. So I got to meet him on the video first. So he has no hair, so I thought, man, we look so alike, you know? <laughs> He has no hair. Uh, he lives in Africa. I live in the United States. I'm from Africa. So the opposite way, he's adopted dad. I'm adopted dad. I'm like, there's my twin brother right there. <laughs> and then I show up, and he's taller than me. And I'm like, oh, man, you know? <laughs> he's got longer legs than I was given. So, but truly a blessing to know you and your love and your heart for, for the lost and for the most vulnerable. And it's really a joy to be here. And as I share with you, I won the last service, I said, I speak seven languages, so English is my fourth language, so I have to think in other languages in order to find the most appropriate word to say. But sometimes I get to say the rude words without meaning it. So the, the warning is you throw your iPhone uh, at me, and I will take it to my teenagers, and they will put it to use, I promise you. <laughs> well, a joy to be here, you know. I love the United States. It's been my home for a while. You know, I went to school here. I got educated here. You know, in a massive fact, I just became a U.S. citizen, so I can vote, finally. <laughs> Which is truly a joy. And, and for you who live here, it, it, I, I work for World Vision, and it's truly a joy that they've been here for so many years. And they are truly making a difference to the most vulnerable uh, countries in war and places like my own village. So we're really grateful uh, for World Vision. And I love the new message they have. They have something unique, you know, that God has put on their hearts the last few years, that they have changed the way they look after the most vulnerable. And that's what I'm here to share with you. And I want to warn you, my journey or my story is about the kids in, in Cambodia. So as you listen to me, yes, I'm from Uganda, but today I'm representing the little ones 
uh, in Cambodia that you love so much. And as you listen, please uh, bear with me. Well, coming to the United States wasn't easy for me. As you get to know my story, when I came to the United States, I really struggled with my faith in two different ways. One, when I came, I saw how much food I was given to eat, but then I saw how much food was thrown away. And I thought to God, there's no way you love us the same way. Like, there's no way these people can have so much to eat and others can have so little that we'll lose their lives for no food. Here's why. I did not have a name until when I was two years old. Why? For every 100 children that were born in my village, 60 would die before the age of two. So most moms didn't name their kids until they were sure. So at two, she named me a gift given us by God. Why? Because I could have not made it in life. Most time for lack of beans. When you have malaria and you're on an empty stomach, your lifespan is about a few hours and you're gone. And so as I looked at that food, I said, why? And then I would visit homes, and there would be five different, different bedrooms that are empty, and I'm like, why are they empty? Here's why. 95% of my village, they live in, in a house as big as your car garage. So think of your car garage. That's 95% of my people live in that small space with six to 12 families. So I really struggled. But with time, I also got convicted. I really got to learn about Psalm 139, about how David looked at his life, that God really created him in the womb, that he knew when he stretches, that he knows everything about him. We know he had 300 wives, and he was a king, but he didn't say, thank you for making me a king. No, he looked at himself and said, I am so wonderful in me that I can't imagine that you know everything about me, that there's no way I can hide. And then from there, I understood that God loves the kids in Uganda, in Kampala. They stretch, they sleep, just as David described it. That it's not based on what we have, but based on how we love him. It's what I got to learn, that he truly, truly loves us. And so for me, that was really joy. And then I got convicted, Luke 12, 48, who much is given, much required. It says, from every... From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. As you get to listen to my story, you get to see why. Why for me that matters. So here's what I did. I wanted to live Luke 12 today, every day. So I walked in the foster system and I said, hey, I would like to really help teenagers. Is there a way I could take part? Here's why I didn't ask to be a false friend. I travel over the world. I've been to 101 countries. I had never seen a black man adapting kids from Ethiopia or from Uganda or from China. They were always Caucasian and they were always married. So I knew there's no way. So approaching it was more like, but can you let me be a mentor? And the social worker who received me said, have you ever thought of being a foster dad? I was like, uh, no, because I don't qualify. She says, why? I said, I'm single. She says, no, you can't be. And that day, I signed up to be a foster dad, to leave Luke 12, 48, that I had been given so much that I wanted to say, I have an extra bedroom for a little boy, a little girl that needs the most. So I've had 27 children in the last five years, and now I have six with me. And I have adopted one, and I'm in the process of adopting the other three. So I would like to share with you a few pictures of my family. There they are. Well, well, well. Ah, that's nice, but they're crazy. Uh, <laughs> and then I thought, we should have two dogs too, you know? So our dog is, is Simba and Rafiki. My kids are Caucasian, and I wanted something African. So I thought, they have to have African names. So... so Simba and Rafiki, Rafiki, which means my, you know, my friend, and they are my kids' best friends uh, as well. Next picture. This is my five-year-old. He's cool. Every time I put him to bed, he always says, Dad, I'm glad you get to put me in, in bed and I love you. But what he's saying, he's saying, many times I didn't know where to sleep, but I'm glad you get to put me in bed. Next picture. It's my daughter. So I've, had, I've always had boys. But this time I have a, a girl because she's the sister of the, the little one. Yes, don't say, uh-huh. But once you came in, I lost all the powers I had as a dad. I thought I was the boss of the house. As soon as she walked in, I lost it all. She paints my hair. I have no hair, but she somehow finds a way. 
my nails, sometimes when the dishwasher is running and I'm like, honey, I need to like, mm, come down. That she gets to paint my nails. And she taught me how to listen, how to love unconditional. And as a man, how to hold my words. And every time I pick her from school, she always says, Dad, I'm glad you got to pick me up. But what she's saying, many times, no one came to pick me up. But you came to pick me up. Next. This is my 18-year-old. You know, I got a phone call uh, 12 months ago, like, he needs a home. I said, sure, for 12 months, I can do that before he ages out. And he came to live with us. Uh, four weeks later, he's like, hey, I want to talk to you, and it's really serious. When a foster teen tells you it's serious, you know, oh, Lord, what just happened, you know? <laughs> and this is what he said. He said, I've been in 12 homes, and no one ever wanted me. They say they will adopt me, but every time, they will let me go. Would you consider being my dad? And so he's going to be my son. <laughs> Next. Next picture. You know, as a foster dad, I've been told what to love and how to do it, and it's really cool, but no one ever taught me how to say goodbye. That all these kids, I get to really reunify with their parents, uh, and it's really a joy, but how to say goodbye is the hardest. So my number 10 and 11 had left, and I was really mad. I'm like, I cannot do this. So I told my social worker I need 30, at least 60 days off. So we agreed on Monday. On Friday, I get a phone call. <laughs> Why? Because the need is great. She said, can you take in a kid? He's at the hospital. I said, no, it's not three months yet. She said, just for the weekend. I said, yes, but if you don't come pick him up on Monday, he'll be on the porch waiting for you. <laughs> and so he came at three in the morning. As soon as he walked in, as our pastor failed to, to read my name, the same way, he couldn't say my name, so I said, you can call me Mr. Peter. And then he looked in my eyes and he says, but can I call you my dad? I didn't say, oh, I said, I said a bad word. I said, no, with a bad word. And then he said, but I was told, since I'm 11, I can choose who my father should be. So you should be my dad. I said, no, you're leaving on Monday, sir. Please, no. So they came to be him on Monday. So now I had the guts to ask why. Here's what they told me. Came in the first game, one, one and a half, got placed with the family. At four, they adopted him. And that family just dropped him in the hospital, never said goodbye, never gave him any reason why they did not want him anymore. And that's when I looked at social work and I said, he already knows I'm his dad, so give me the paperwork. <laughs> so I adopted Anthony. So he's my son. He's officially my son. I adopted him two years ago. And as you listen, you might say, how, how do you adapt? How do you foster 27 kids? Adapt. And how do you do it as a single man? And this is when he comes into the kids of Cambodia. This is where I want to be honest with you, why I'm sharing this story. For me, I have been rescued. For me, God has really stepped in and given me every victory you could think of. But today I'm speaking for kids who this morning woke up and made miles and miles to get water, who slept on dirt, who didn't have a meal probably last night who are looking for a glimpse of hope. And as you listen to my journey, that's where I want you to go with me to, to Cambodia. As a little boy, I grew up in a home where life was miserable in every shape, form you could imagine. Grew up in a place where I was told there was no future for me. Grew up in a place where life was miserable in every shape, form, like so many kids in Cambodia. Grew up in a place where I had to go fetch water three hours a day, twice a day. A place where I never had to be a child, just like so many kids in Cambodia today. I grew up in a place where I never had a pair of shoes at all or slept on a mattress, just like kids in Cambodia today. I grew up in a place where I lost my friends and members of my family because we drank dust water and life did not get us any farther just like kids in Cambodia today. At the age of four, I began to realize not only were poor, but I had the most abusive dad you could think of. So you have Paulus on one side, but you have a mean dad, who all I knew as a kid, Peter, you'll never mount anything. Peter, you are never be anything worth at all. Peter, I wish you were never born so I did not have to feed you. That's what I had every day as a little boy. But not only did I hear it, but I saw it to my mom as well. So one parent that should protect me could not do that because my dad 
was the meanest human being you could think of. So to me, tell me to dream, how would I dream? How would I think there's a future for me? Absolutely no. No hope. No place to be. For me, I wish I didn't have to see it tomorrow because today was bad enough that tomorrow would be worse, that I didn't want to see it. So one day I thought, I should not let my dad kill me, but rather I should die in the hands of a stranger. So I had never been 20 miles away. I went to the bus station and I asked the lady, which of these goes the farthest? So I can go as far as I can so my father never gets to see me again. But if I die, he never have to bury me. And the lady showed me the bus and I got on that bus and I ended up 500 kilometers away from my village and became a street kid because that was my option that I had. Think of a street kid. We were used like garbage. We were used in every shape form you could think, you could imagine. Called every name you could imagine. As some of the kids in in Cambodia today. Trash is all I knew. You never mount anything is all I knew. And I learned how to steal. It was the best way to survive. I'd been on the streets for four and a half years. No human being had ever asked me what my name was. Not one. But one day, I saw a stranger wearing khakis and glasses, and I thought, there's my target. I'm going to get a meal today. I followed him. As soon as he bought things, I said, I will help you. And he said, stop. What's your name? And told him my name was Peter. But also that rattled me. Why would he want to know my name? Is he going to harm me? Because for us, everyone who was kind was abusive at the same time. So I walked away, but he gave me something to eat and left. The next week, he came back and asked, where was Peter? I was in a garbage boy for him. He was this, was this boy with a name? The name that my mom called me every day. But that's why he called me. Every time he came, he would give me something to eat. He fed me for one year and a half. And one day he said, Peter... I have two things you can choose from. I can feed you always here, but you can go to school as well. And I said, no school for me. Because I'm garbage, I was told I never mount anything. Come on, I smell. You know, I'm a street kid. I've never taken a shower. Only when it rains, yes, I can take a shower. But I live in the sewer. Why? Why would you want me to go to school? But one day he changed the language. He said, if you go to school, there'd be lunch, dinner, and breakfast. I think that's all I had. Really? There can be a place where they eat food? Because it fed me for one year and a half, I said, I'll go try it for one day. If there's food. And he brought me clothes and he took me. On the way, I asked him, why me? Why me? He said, I just want to be faithful. There are more than 2,000 kids in the streets of Kampala. But he chose one and that one happened to be me. But why me? At the lowest of my life, that he saw the best in me. Why? And so I said, yes, I'll go to school. Not because I wanted to be a teacher. Not because I want. I never been. There was no thing to hope for. But I said so for one reason. Because for the first time, he saw me as a human being. All my life, I thought I was less of a human being. That's what I was told. That's what I smelt. But he never saw that. He saw the best in me. He's why my tears because Grace Community Church, that's how you're seeing the kids in Cambodia. It's not just a country out there, but you want to the, know them by their names. You want to know where they come from. And your heart enjoy and your pastor for wanting to know them. That's what changes us. It's not the school you send us to. It's a glimpse and the humanity you give us, the dignity that we're a human being. That's what he did for me. And I went to school and he changed my life. Because he was faithful, he's what he did for me. I was able to go to school. Not go to school for high school. I stayed because I wanted to eat food. And then I figured, I need to go to class in order to eat this food. <laughs> and then the teachers began to believe in me. I would get a D and they'll say, good job, Peter. You're amazing. I'm like, really? I'll get a C. And I got a C. They say, you're chosen. You belong here. And the more I had those words, the more they skilled off the abuse, the shame, the trauma that I began to believe in myself. And so now I began to excel in school. So I went to school in Uganda. I went to university in Kampala. And then I went to university in England. And that's how I came to the United States, through the kindness of one stranger. Not only did he change me, but my entire family. 
I'm the oldest of five. They've all gone through school. Not because we could do it, but if Peter can do it, now there was an example. We can do it as well. But I wanted to also make sure they went to school. And that's what I love about World Vision, that you help one, but that through helping one, it really gets to change the lives of so many around them, including their parents and uncles and aunties. Because he was faithful, I was able to learn how to forgive my dad. I hated my dad. He was the last person I wanted to kill. But through walking and showing with me, he retaught me the life of Joseph. Remember when his brothers found him? And what he said, he said, what are you meant for evil? God used it for good to save lives. And that's why I speak on behalf of kids. Because he has showed me I can use it as a foundation to help others. Because he chose me, I'm a dad. I'm not a dad because I can do it. But I'm a dad because he showed me what a father ought to be. That I understand that well. That he chose me when I was unchosen. That he chose me when I was unloved. That he chose me when I was the useless, helpless little boy. That he chose me among 2,000 kids on the streets of Kampala. He's the statistics. 99.9 of the kids I was with on the streets all died of one thing, HIV. And I survived because he chose me. So you see the kindness of one. Yes, I have fostered 27 and I would like to take more, maybe 100 if I can. But I'm doing it because he helped me. He showed me how to. And that's what you're about to do for kids in Cambodia. And that's why I'm here to share with you my family. You know, my son sponsors a, a little boy in Uganda, with his $39, they get to gather them and they get to help the communities. And every time he receives that letter, he says, Dad, the devil wrote to me, what should I say? He gets excited to see a kid who was once hopeless in false care, be really excited a kid, with a kid in, in Uganda that he really feels he gets to really help. For you teenagers who are here, sorry, I'm gonna share it with you. When you go home, Open that closet and count how many shoes that are in and come back to your parents and say, Mom, thank you that you get me a pair of shoes. When you open that fridge, I know sometimes they open and say, Mom, there's no food in here. And I'm like, it's full. <laughs> but they are saying there's no food I like in here. And what I'm trying to say is, before you open that fridge, tell Mom, Mom, I'm glad you get me a meal to eat. It's not what I like the best, but I'm glad you get to provide that for me. Why? Because kids in Cambodia tonight went to bed hungry. They would like to go to school, but they cannot go to school. They like to be hopeful, but there's no place to be hopeful. And that's what we're excited for Grace Community to say. We want to give them a glimpse of hope. And so my son is changing lives, giving dignity to the kids. And for me, I work for World Vision, but they've changed my entire village. Remember, for every 100 were born, 60 would die at the age of two. You know what happens now? Zero dies. Why? Clean water. So they've saved my entire community in every shape form you could imagine. And I love the way, the way World Vision is doing it this way. Remember, we used to go and pick up kids, but now they've changed away. What if we give the dignity to the children? Remember, that man, when he picked me up, he said, would you like to go to school or I can feed you always? He gave me the opportunity, gave me the dignity to choose what I wanted. So as my kid. Can I be, can you be my dad? Are you sure? When we open our door, it's amazing how God really opens for us to do more than we ever thought we could. And I love what World Vision does. They've said, they've thought through and said, what, what, what would it look like if we flip the coin and the whole thing was reversed and children were empowered to choose us? Like, what, we, what would that look like? So watch this video as we really change the way we do sponsorship. Watch.
When, when you've never been given an opportunity to choose anything, even a meal, to be given an opportunity to choose who you want to invite home means much more. Because I wished I did that as a little boy. And, but I am grateful and joyful that kids in Cambodia this week get to do that. So here's what's going to happen. On Wednesday, this Wednesday, the kids in Cambodia are going to go gather the same way you look at this. We're going to put your pictures on those pins. They're going to have a, pen, a tent and they're going to have a party. And they're going to choose who they want to take home. Something they've never been given before. And they're going to choose your pictures. And they're going to party. Why? Because they have some family member they are bringing home that they chose for themselves. And then on Sunday, you're going to know who chose you. It's called Reveal Sunday. You're going to open that envelope and there'll be a little boy, a little girl to tell you, I chose you because of your red hair. I chose you because you have gray hair like my grandmother. I chose you because of your smile. I chose you because you're special. And that's why it's going to happen. This week, we go also, your church and your pastor, they go to share and listen to Cambodia. Where's the picture? They get to meet all, that's your staff here. They go to meet the families and our staff in Cambodia. And they go to share with them and tell them the needs. And so, that's how unique and wonderful that has been for us. So, this Wednesday, it's a party day. This Wednesday, it's going to be awesome. So it's amazing how $39 gathered together can truly change the lives of families and communities and those around them. We can also have a Facebook page. So every, this week, you get to know what's happening. We'll tease you and show you, and a pastor will share with you. And that's what it's going to be for this week. So before I leave, and I'll come back later, I would like to invite your pastor, my other brother with no hair like me, come and share with you. Can we again show our appreciation for Peter and what he's brought today? It's such a special day, and it's a very unique and it's a very inspiring, incredible initiative that we get to venture in together this week. We're making decisions, and there's new opportunities. Coming in today, you probably had no idea that you might be connected to a child in Cambodia this week in a very deep and meaningful way. And how do you navigate in life as new opportunities come and you're making decisions? It's in many areas of your life. You're making important decisions this week. And I want to lay out a very simple framework for this decision and other decisions, highlighting three key pieces. The first one, biblical. Start with the Bible. God renews our minds. And what is the biblical basis? When we think about kids and we think about God, what's revealed in his word? Because in God's word, that's his wisdom, it's direction. It's also God's heart. And we want what breaks God's heart to break our hearts and what moves God's heart to move our hearts. And we want to be in alignment with heaven. And there's so many things the culture says about the value of kids, but we want to be in alignment with God and his word. In every area, we come to scripture. And I want to share a couple different scriptures, different chapters. In Genesis chapter 1, the very first chapter of the Bible, God says that we are all made in his image. We are all made. Every child is made in the image of God. That means that we have a maker and a personal relationship. That means every child has value and significance and that no child was an accident. And we all have incredible purpose because we are made in God's image. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, God makes it very clear that we all have roles and responsibilities when it comes to children in building them up. And I'm grateful in this room there are so many incredible parents and grandparents and there are educators and so many people serving children. And that inspires us to say yes. And when you think about Deuteronomy chapter 6, train up children, build them up, share God, share his word, share about Jesus, help them discover and own their own faith. And as you have relationship with them and it's where you know throughout the week you're just doing life together and debriefing together and sharing your faith with them and praying together and building them up it's so again significant in our lives 
Psalm 139, the Bible says, God knit us together in our mother's womb. That day of conception, God was already there with us, fully loved, every child at every age, fully loved by God already. Not a love you have to earn, but a love that exists because God is love, and he pursues us with his love. And we are all wonderfully made. You are uniquely made. There's no one like you. And God has uniquely made you. There's no one who has a fingerprint like you. No one who has the combination of personality. And no one who's like you. You are a masterpiece that God has made. And you just receive that truth. Let it sink from your head to your heart. And with that, every child is so valuable. Psalm 145, one generation to the next generation, talks about God, tells who he is, tells of his wonderful works, commends God, and generations pass down the goodness of God. In Luke 2.52, Jesus grew. He grew in wisdom and stature. He grew in favor with God the Father, with other people. What does that tell us? It was a holistic growth, that Jesus was growing physically, but also Jesus was growing with wisdom. Jesus was growing in his relationships, and every child should be given the opportunity to grow holistically in all the different areas. And wow, that we could provide that. Matthew chapter 19, and Jesus says very clearly, and some of the disciples were kind of like this when it came to kids. I don't know if I want to get involved. I don't know if it's really that important. And Jesus said, no, he rebuked the disciples and he said, let the little children come to me. You see, Jesus has chosen these children and Jesus has chosen us. You are chosen. And he says, let them come to me so the children are choosing Jesus. Children at a certain age will choose and they'll say, I'm owning my faith. I have a relationship with God. I want Jesus. Children have a way of knowing how good God is and his love and how much they need God. There is nothing more wonderful than the love of God. Nothing for a child that is more secure. Every child should have parents who love them. It's not always the case. Even greater than the parent's love is the love of God in a child's life. And then hopefully that love comes through the parents and through community and through a church family. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Theirs is the kingdom. You see, Jesus stepped into a culture where kids were seen as second rate. And we understand this. We can relate to this because in our culture, sometimes kids are neglected or they're seen as inconvenient or they're abused. And we see this happening in human traffic and we say, no, that's wrong. And we just know it's wrong. Jesus changed everything in the culture. Women and children are not second rate. We are all equal. Every man, woman, and child is equal. And the relationship that he established with men and women and children continues to change our world today. And we look to Jesus together. And we, we know there's no greater love in our lives than the love of God. We, we see how much God loves children. As we pray that we want to become more like Jesus, then God transformed my heart so I start to love and serve kids like you love and serve kids. Kids are not an afterthought. Kids are a top priority for God. And as I consider this in his word, we have a big role. We have a big role in bringing God's love locally and globally to children and to the next generation. You see, a solid foundation in God's word, it renews your mind and it changes your heart. And that's what God does as we gather on Sundays. And today, I pray that we would see children locally and globally different than when we walked in because we would see them through God's eyes. Now, in addition to a biblical basis, the second part is personal. Personal is your story. Personal is what God's saying to you. Personal is how God's leading you. When I lived in Zimbabwe, there were two things that stunned me. Uh, the first one was with children and watching these kids. I had never seen up close and personal poverty. I had never seen so many young ones dying of AIDS, drought, famine. I had never seen suffering. It's one thing to read about poverty. It's one thing to hear it from someone else but would you agree that when you experience something firsthand, it's very different than just kind of hearing about it or watching something quick on the TV or reading a couple of paragraphs? But when you experience it firsthand, it sticks with you. And even though it's been a long time since I lived in Africa, it's never left my heart. 
it was shocking to me that the kids didn't have many clothes to wear and to choose from each day. It was shocking how little money they had. It was shocking where they lived. It was shocking for me they didn't have any shoes and they didn't have soccer balls and they would take plastic bags and wrap them together as tight as they could to try to create a ball and they would play soccer where there was glass and rocks and they would just they didn't have grass fields and they would just play there and I'd I'd watch them it was surprising to me it was surprising to me that in school they just didn't have the books they didn't have the teachers they didn't have the same pens they didn't have computers they didn't have tutors they didn't have phones they just didn't have so many things we can take for granted and it stunned me. I was there playing soccer, and that was my livelihood, but we were also tutoring in the youth contact center. And as we were there, just seeing what the kids didn't have, it made me realize, and I'd also include spiritually, Bibles and some of the churches that we can take for granted, uh, they just didn't have that. And what hit me so clearly as I was stunned is how much we really do have how much we really do have and I'm not highlighting that for any shame just gratitude and opportunity it's good to stop and realize how much God has poured out into our lives and I was stunned in a different environment in a different country when some of those things that I've enjoyed when I came back to America culture shock hit me walking into a grocery store I just couldn't believe all the different brands and varieties and coming back to America, I was just blown away. Buffets, like, whoa, we have those here. And, and the contrast stood out. Here's another way I was stunned, though, inspired by the kids. Because in the classrooms, they would sing. I hadn't been in a class before where the kids just break out in song. And the voices are beautiful and they're ringing and they're ringing with joy and they're ringing with love and hope. And the kids are so warm and they welcome you and they're so thrilled to be there with you. Uh, They would, on the way to, okay, at the stadium where we played at, we would take these emergency taxis, kind of a stripped down old station wagon. We'd pile in like 15 of us, like hot, smelly bodies, but we wanted to be right there with people. And we would travel, we'd get out of the emergency taxi, we would walk a ways to the stadium. And what would happen every day, walking the stadium is this group of kids would come. And it would start with a couple, and I'd hear the word Makiwa. Makiwa means white man, and it's not derogatory. It was just an unusual sight. And there weren't many white people anywhere and then when one comes along it's just like you know kids are gonna say makiwa like there's a makiwa sighting over here and 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 the kids would spread the word and pretty soon more kids makiwa makiwa and every day there would just be this big pack of kids following me and then I would sit down and they would come close and they were so curious and they would want to touch my skin because it was different and I had a lot of hair back then they would want (laughs) to Just picture it, picture it. Uh, they want to touch my hair, and they just say, Makiwa, Makiwa, and they laugh, and they move back, and they laugh some more. And these kids were so resilient. And I thought, how could they have such joy and laughter and fun, and how can they persevere through this situation? Because if I was in this situation, I might be overwhelmed with despair, and yet these kids were rising above it, and I was stunned. And that combination of how little they had, it stood out to me that your life does not, it's not about your possessions, Your life is not found in your house or your car or your bank account. Life can never be found in those things. But life is about God's love and how we treat each other and love one another. It's about relationships. And those kids had figured it out, so I was learning from the kids. And I realized at that moment there were really three stories happening. There was God's story, which is beautiful, and a story of redemption and hope. And then there was my own journey that he had brought me to Zimbabwe And then there was these children, and they had a story that was just as significant as mine. And there was this intersection, this overlap of God's story and their story and my story that became connected. And it feels like holy ground when that happens. And I'm telling you, there are kids today in Cambodia, and God has a story, and they have a story, and you have a story. And there's about to be an overlap that happens today as the three come together for the glory of God and the good of us and them. And God has designed something special for this day. Our family has 
sponsored children before, and we knew we want to do this again. Why? Because in, in life, when something's really good, you want to do it again. And I'm excited that our church family together gets to do this. I'm excited my own you know, biological family gets to do this together because this is really good. And when your name's on it, as you pray through decisions and you see the biblical basis and you think about your story and you're listening to God, when your name is on it, do it. And, and that's true not just about kids in Cambodia. That's true for your career. That's true for sharing your faith with people. That's true for rolling up your sleeves and serving those in need. When your name is on it, do it. Don't pretend like, well, I don't know if I really heard. Or, uh, well, I'm just thinking about the person sitting next to me. No, I'm talking about being tuned in, listening to God. And when he says, this is yours, your name's on it, then full of faith, you say yes. And on the other side of yes, God does amazing work. Listen to the Lord. Abide and respond. We say at our church, John chapter 15, abide with Jesus and respond. The Holy Spirit will lead you. When your name's on it, say yes. And it leads to the third key component. See, the first one's a biblical basis. Second is personal, listening to God, abiding with God, my story, your story. And then the third is intentional. Jesus was very intentional. No one has ever been more intentional than Jesus. He didn't just sit in heaven thinking about kids putting together a sermon about kids. No, Jesus left heaven, came to earth, died on a cross, overcame the grave, sacrificed for our sins. He knew that God has a family, that we in God's family needed something. We needed the forgiveness of sins. We needed a forever family in heaven. We, we needed to be accepted in love by the Father. And the only way that would happen is if Jesus intentionally, because love sacrifices, comes to earth and lays it down, lays it down, pursues, provides, and protects us. And because Jesus does that and he chooses us, we worship Jesus. Jesus is the leader of this church. Jesus is the leader of his family. And we are one body together. Every nation, tongue, and tribe will be in heaven. And we celebrate that. Jesus is the one who's leading. We follow Peter in the Bible in some ways, this Peter also listening to God and God giving him new vision, new vision. Peter in the Bible, he loved Jewish people, which is excellent. We should love Jewish people. But then God gave him a vision that was greater. What do you do in life when this is your vision and then God brings this? What do you do in that moment? Do you say, no, God, this right here, this that I can control? Or do you say, yes, God, and Peter was moved in the Bible when he saw the Jewish people. And God said, there's so much more. I want you to love the Gentiles. I want you to love the nations. I blessed you to bless the nations. Peter received this and he was wrestling. Some of you are wrestling because God's given you a vision much bigger than you anticipated. And a love for people that's so much bigger than what you ever thought had your name on it. And yet in that overwhelming, vast vision... God also gave Peter a very specific next step. Peter, here's Cornelius going to his home, a friendship, and it starts here with Cornelius. See, God will give you a big vision and then he'll bring it down to one relationship. He'll bring it down to one next step. And when you're listening to God, you say yes to the big vision and yes to the next step and he puts the two together. Peter to Cornelius and what God was doing is expanding the expression and manifestation of his love far beyond Jews, but to Gentiles. And I'm a Gentile, and I thank God that Peter was listening and took that step of faith. I thank God that he already loves Gentiles, that he loves people in America and in Cambodia, and that we just get to catch up with what God's already doing. And you know what Peter concluded? Who am I to try to fight against or resist the Holy Spirit? Who am I to try to stop what God's doing globally and locally? No, I'm not gonna try to stop it. Uh, our um, team here, leadership team at Grace, uh, made a prayerful decision, yes to chosen. Uh, we're praying that at least 100, we don't know what God's gonna do, no limits to what God can do, but we're praying at least 100 children would be blessed in Cambodia in a very specific next step this week. I'll tell you, we were presented chosen about two years ago, and we prayed and we sensed not yet. So we've been just processing through this for two years, and this is the time where we just knew this is the time we're gonna say yes. 
and our church family together is gonna enter into this in these relationships with people in Cambodia. You might think, does that mean we're gonna do less locally? Absolutely not. We are so grateful and committed to the next generation here at this church. We're thankful for Grace Kids and everyone who served for middle school and high school. We're so thankful for Midweek. We're grateful for Grace Loves Auburn. We're so thankful for every family that's already adopted kids. We're so thankful for every family that's involved in foster care at this church. We believe that if the churches across America stepped up, we don't need a foster care system. We, we are committed locally to doing everything we can to help kids. This doesn't slow any of that down. But globally, can we continue to do more? I'm so grateful for our international partners team as well here at the church and that we're all world Christians. And what God is doing is something fresh that not that we're watching, but we're participating. And we know we wanna bless the nations because that's God's word and that's God's heart. And God has been moving in our church to reach more and to reach people. Do you know there's billions of people who haven't heard about Jesus yet? And we have never been able to connect with as many people as we are right now. We are trying to take intentional steps, not accidental, intentional steps together, and that includes right here in Cambodia. Why did we choose Cambodia? We had a couple countries as options. We think about Cambodia. I mean, that's a long ways away. There's been some great ministry, David Chung at our church. I mean, there's been some outstanding um, work there and connection already. But this is an intentional step. Cambodia is a place where about 95% of the people there are Buddhist. And in terms of Christians in Cambodia, it's been increasing the last 10 years. But at most, different reports, it's 2% in the country from what I've read. So what does that mean? God's doing something new in Cambodia. And we're going to a place, we want to reach people who haven't heard or experienced the love and light of Jesus. And we want to go to those places intentionally. And that's one of the reasons we prayerfully chose Cambodia. Now, World Vision has been an outstanding partner. I've been here about seven years, and it's been a joy to partner with World Vision. You saw a picture of us. I was on that Zoom call. They have an incredible team in Cambodia. It was great to meet them personally. Uh, World Vision has their annual day of uh, prayer and worship for their staff. There's about 1,000 people that come into this place, and it's a day of prayer and worship. Also, over 100 of you, uh, including our family, ran a half marathon, Team World Vision, and we're bringing clean water around the world with World Vision. The prayerful goal is by 2030, there'll be clean water for everyone around the world. And so many initiatives with World Vision. I've been to the chapel there many times and spoken. They have an incredible staff team. And so this partnership, relationship keeps growing, and this is another way that we get to express that. I think one of the things that's special I wanna highlight is that Instead of sponsoring, it's great if you sponsor people in other locations and kids in other locations, but I think it's unique that we can say, look at what's happening through Grace in Cambodia, and there's that unity in terms of location, and we're gonna step into this together as well. Our theme this fall is empowered. Empowered and hope, because God empowers you, he empowers kids in Cambodia, and there's hope that's greater than the challenges we're facing right now. I wanna say it again, you have a hope greater than the challenge you're facing right now in Jesus. And when we say yes to God, we encounter God in a deeper way. When your name's on it and you say yes to God, you encounter God closer personally, and you also encounter God transforming more lives. Saying yes to the Lord Jesus is something you never regret. God is leading us together. We wanna bless kids locally, bless kids globally. And Peter's gonna come back up and share with us this next step right now and uh, wrap up our service as well. Can we, can we welcome Peter back? Well, thank you so, 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 so much, you know. Because he chose me, I was able to see hope in a different way. Because he chose me, I overcame the abuse and the trauma as a kid. Because he chose me, my family came to know the Lord as their Lord and Savior, all of them. Not because we shared with them the gospel, but for them, they're like, how can a stranger love my child as theirs? That's what the people in Cambodia that are about to ask, why would a stranger in the United States would love my child as theirs? So let's give them an opportunity to know why because we love the Lord, and in that way, along the way, we get to truly share the gospel, and they get to see it by where we live it. So here's what's really simple. We're going to do it. We have people who are wearing black and orange. You saw the pastor wearing orange. They will help you if you need help. So here's what we're going to do. We have 
uh, technology, the way we're going to do it. Uh, can I have that picture? Yes. So we're going to use that QR code. From wherever you're sitting, you can pick up your phone and point it right there, and you're going to get a link. That's a QR code. You're going to get a link. My family, we sponsor 14. You can sponsor 20, 50, as, as much as you want. They will choose you each individually. But you get to get a link. At that link, you're going to fill in information of who you are, how many kids you want to be want them to choose you, and then you're going to bring back, and then you're going to have that QR code. You bring it to the cameras that we have. The people in orange will help you. If you, uh, technology isn't your thing, I'm pr I promise you they will do the best they can. So we can truly help the kids in Cambodia. There's more than 500 kids in Cambodia. And if we can give as many as possible to choose their sponsor, that would be absolutely wonderful as well. Again, we're so grateful for you. For you at home, I don't know if you have uh, online, but I would like to talk to those online. You know, get your uh, pajamas you got last Christmas that you haven't worn for a long time and gather your family and take that epic picture and upload it. And guess what? We need it by 6 p.m. Why? Because we're sending them to Cambodia so they can have a party on Wednesday and then they send them back to us on Friday so you can know who chose you on Sunday, which we call the Reveal Sunday. And they get to tell you why they chose you. For sure. Again, the orange people, we have uh, cameras there. So if you have pimples, don't worry. Those cameras will take it off. If you didn't put on makeup, I promise, they will, you know, it will make you look really beautiful and handsome. For the kids in Cambodia to say, that gray hair is my thing. On behalf of the kids, both my family and those all over the world, especially for Cambodia, we want to say thank you for loving on us. We want to say thank you for letting us for letting them choose you for the very first time. They never had a place or a thing to choose. But you're giving them that opportunity, not just to choose you, the dignity that they matter, the dignity that they are chosen, the dignity that God loves them more than anyone else. So on behalf of World Vision, we truly want to thank you. I'll pray, and then we can go take that famous picture that our kids are going to have for the rest of their lives. All right? Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your lovers. We don't deserve today, but somehow... You got us up this morning. And so, Lord, we want to use it for good and for the best. For the kids in Cambodia, we know they're in bed right now. They probably went to bed hungry. But, Lord, we want the new day, the new week, the Wednesday, that they get to celebrate. That they don't have to worry. That their moms, my mom used to worry every time I went to get to fetch water because it was far away. But that they will have water just a few yards away. Lord, that they will go to school. Lord, that they will have hope. Not just hope to go to school, but hope about you. So, Lord, guide us and be with them and help us to serve you in every way we can. In your name I pray. Amen. Go in peace. Go take that picture. Right? Thank you.